soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brand, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. It is about Jesus Christ, the Savior, having died on the cross for our sins. And the Holy Spirit will confirm our need for the saving grace through Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit will confirm that we've given our life to Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit will press us and move us toward forward, onward, and upward in Jesus' name to the higher calling of Jesus Christ. It is the supremacy of Jesus Christ. And what we really need more than anything else in our life is to be all in with Jesus that our consciousness throughout the day and our decision-making is not based upon convenience or safety or security. It's based upon being sensitive to the Holy Spirit and what he's speaking to our heart this day and his lordship over our day and letting him direct our steps. It's literally like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 on a daily basis. Lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways and let him direct your path. So it really is about being under the Lord. And when it comes something that's difficult or arduous or a trial or a tribulation, how many people check out? I mean, in the parable of the soils, Jesus talks about this, the plant that had no depth. And as soon as hard times arose, they were gone. And they talked about the plant that was choked up by the cares of this life. But when you find greatness in the kingdom of God, you find women and men who are completely, totally sold out and for Jesus Christ and under his lordship. And they are cognitively, consciously aware of his presence and his purposes in their life in the fullest sense of the day. And I know many of you live like this, so I'm just reaffirming how you approach your day and how you approach your life. This week I spoke with a number of different people that have done profound things for the Lord, whether it's ministry with the homeless, whether it's having gone to foreign countries as, as American women, and I say, how do you do this? And time and time again, it just comes up, you just do it. You just do it. You just do what the master says. He's the Lord. And we want to make sure as we go forward in this journey that he's Lord. Because if he's Lord, we fulfill what he has. If he's not Lord, we can miss what he has. And we can just be churchgoers or religious people. We want to be disciples of Jesus Christ. It's scary sometimes, and it's quite the adventure, but that's the fruit for time and the fruit for eternity. Now, the second thing we see about our calling, so he's supremely over our calling. The second thing is it's his work promised. Look at verse 2. He says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. He's got our back. So we let him be Lord and master of our life like Abram did. And we take those steps of faith where we put Jesus before all other pursuits and passions and dreams. We surrender it all. All to thee I surrender. All to thee, O Lord, I surrender. And then we enter into that calling. But it is his work promised 
in and through us. Because that call of God is a work he's going to do in us by his spirit. And it's a work he's going to do through us to the benefit of humanity. And the people that are most inclined to lose their life to the benefit of other people in Jesus' name are those who are most all in with the Lord in the first place. Because who in their own strength would die to themselves and let others have preeminence over them? It's very contrary to the fallen nature of the sons of Adam and daughters of Eve. But when you're a spirit-filled woman or a spirit-filled man and you have to give up your rights, those rights ultimately are given up for humanity in Jesus' name. But then it's to serve others, it's to lose our life in service to winning lives by how we handle things. And again, time and time again, when you look at the lives of people who have not just lived faithfully for the Lord in a Western world environment and just been good stewards, whether they're faithful businessmen or businesswomen or, or faithful housewives or mothers and things. Just, but greater sacrifices where people are really pulled out of their comfort zone, where you're pulled out of where you live and what you know and where you're, whether it's a season of a new adventure, like a new job that takes you out of state and it's new bosses in a whole new situation or whether it's something more profound where you go to Ethiopia for years and do ministry like our friends Sean uh, Havler did from Worship Generation back in the day at Calvary Costa Mesa, or, or even like David Downs, who was very involved with Worship Generation. He was an engineer at UC Irvine, and the Lord just said, you're going to be, his great-grandfather was an Italian citizen, and he worked on his Italian citizenship for years. Eventually, he met his wife, and he pastors the Calvary Chapel in Italy now, and he's very involved in the Calvary Chapel movement in Italy. Him and his wife, Danae, they live there. We support them. He was from Corona, and he had a normal Southern California life like most of us. And he got in at UC Irvine and he had great grades and God said, let it go. And now 15 years later, he's serving the Lord faithfully in Italy and he's been involved in a number of church plants. That's a pretty big change. I mean, even if it's in your family heritage, it's like my great grandmother came from Norway as did my great grandfather. I'm actually named after the village or from, it's Baran. And I... It'd be like if the Lord said, now you go to Norway, go down your heritage and change your citizenship to Norwegian, which would be hard to do, and go to a, a profoundly socialist country where things are super expensive, which would also be hard to do, and go to Norway and go do the Euro thing for Jesus' name where the Christian population is very minute and there's still a remnant of Lutheran church influence. But, I mean, that would be pretty radical to do at any time in your life. But you see, when we obey and we go wherever he's telling us to go. The new job, the new change. Let go of this job. Move toward that one. Let go of this house. You're going to rent now. Let go of this. Move toward that. When we obey the Lord in these things, whether they seem micro or macro, like David Downs, or micro like a job change this year or something like that, as the Lord leads us, the, the blessing is in the obedience because he says, I will make you. I will make you. I will bless you and you will bless. And really, isn't that what Jesus does in our lives when we obey him and we serve him and we go for what he has for us? He, it's a work he's going to do in us. I will make you. I mean, even when he called, again, Peter and Andrew, John and James, I will make you fishers of men. See, you were thinking like, I can't do this. This is beyond me. Right, it is beyond you. But your availability is everything. When you go back to Hudson Taylor, the founder of the Inland China Mission, to 1850s, 1850s, when he went to China and he obeyed the Lord. All the, there's all kinds of wars. There's a new war every two years in China at that time. And there were the foreign devil dogs and stuff. And he went there for a couple of years. And then he came back to England. And he wrestled with what God might have for him with China. And God was putting on his heart a huge vision. 
And he had gone for the Chinese dress. He had learned the Chinese, the Mandarin language and the various regional dialects. And he was all in. And he was scared. And God really put on his heart to start a whole new ministry in China. And he took applicants. He spoke at churches all over England. He took applicants from all over the United Kingdom. And eventually he came up with 22 people to go with him. The ship they took was called the Lamel Muir. It was a clipper ship. Now, his first trip to China, he almost died, if you know the story. It was harrowing. They almost died in the Channel Islands right off England. It was a six-month trip to get to China from England on the clipper ships it was for. But he took 22 people who had no professional religious training at all. None were ordained. There were men, there were women. He took nine women, which was very, very unusual for that generation and that timeline. And they got there. And the most amazing thing is, is he was so criticized by the organized religion of Shanghai and the various denominations that were there doing their stuff. And they were all in their gated walls and stuff. And he went right for the inland. They survived two typhoons. They came into port. Another ship came through those typhoons. They lost 20 people in those two typhoons. Not one person was injured in their clipper ship. And most of the people got saved that were the, the sailors on the crew. They immediately went inland up the, uh, the river from Shanghai, set up a base. And over the next 20 years, almost all of them died in China, including a number of his children. But to this day, that ministry goes on. And it reaches all over Asia to this day. And to this day, a vast majority of the ministry in China can be directly related to the Inland China Mission. You Google and you see the pictures of the first group of people that went from Australia, the first group that went from America, and what they did. And it wasn't their ability, but their availability. Because they understood what Hudson Taylor understood. I will make you. And when you go, that's where the empowerment comes. He empowers you in the new job. He empowers you in the new relationship. He empowers you in the new neighborhood, in the new community. It's the, it's, it's the going and I will make you. He's not going to make you this side of safety. He's going to make you that side of engagement where the ministry is. And most of those people didn't know Chinese. A lot of them learned Mandarin on the ship, on the clipper when they were going over. It's amazing the legacy that we have in this room tonight by the men and women who've come before us in Jesus' name, who simply believed the promises of God, were under his lordship of Jesus Christ, and they heeded that call. I can't even begin to comprehend what it'd be like to leave England in 19, excuse me, in 18, to leave England in 1856, 57, with this radical young missionary, Hudson Taylor, 22 of you, with no formal education, you were vetted because of your spirit-filled lives and your willingness to go. You can Google Wikipedia, the Lemur 22, and you can see how long they lived, where they died, how many bailed out after two years and switched over to the, uh, you know, the Anglican ministry in, in Shanghai. But how many stayed with it? Some caused division, but when his eight-year-old daughter died, they, it resolved the conflict. Because when you bury an eight-year-old, it kind of makes petty, petty things look pretty petty. His daughter, Grace, then his wife died after 12 years. But they always saw it as a privilege. And they always saw their, their fruit as being what Christ was doing in them. In the book, the famous book, the classic Hudson Taylor, Spiritual Secret, the spiritual secret is abiding in Christ. Is that it's Christ in us, the hope of glory, and it's our availability that brings him working in and through our lives. 
That's a spiritual secret, which is no secret at all. It's John 15. Abide in me and I in you and you'll bear much fruit. In a, in a, str- a religious striving to attain to something, they realize, you know what? We already are it. We just need to have faith in the one who's over us and do what he's called us to do. And trust him when there's a riot in this city or an uprising in that city or a civil war in this territory and we bury this person. And just, it's unbelievable when you, when you really study. And you should study. There's things worth studying. And the Lamel Mayor 22 is worth your time to be inspired. But the point is this. I will make you, and I will make you a blessing. And ultimately, wherever we go in Jesus' name, it's to be a blessing to the people we go to. It's to be a blessing. And you're a foreigner. There was Canaanites in the land when Abram got there. And there's Canaanites wherever we go. And we're foreigners in Jesus' name wherever we go. But we're called to be a blessing. We're called to be a blessing in the new job. We're called to be a blessing at the new school. We're called to be a blessing in the new, with the new team, the new community, the new family, the new neighborhood. We are called to be a blessing. I'm grateful that I have the experiences in my life to have moved thousands of miles from everything I know in Jesus' name, in, the, in Jesus' name to start ministries with people I had previously not known and just go for it. I'm so grateful in my human experience that we went to Virginia with a nine-month-old, a wife that was willing to go, a dog in that car across I-40. And I'm so glad five years later that my wife was willing to go to Vermont in a rider truck and to get on the 95 and drive through the night and end up at Virginia, Vermont by noon the next day, not knowing how it was going to play out. I am so thankful that those experiences are part of my life and the legacy of my marriage and my children. Hudson Taylor had nine children, four made it to adulthood, but all four walked with the Lord. And even recently, his great-grandson was the director of his ministry back in the early 2000s, long after he was gone. See, when we're under his lordship and we're all in and we let him work through us for his good pleasure, he makes us who we're meant to be like him and we become the blessing, we're blessed and we become the blessing and we bless everything we do as a whole. It's our disposition to bless. We're not perfect, but the legacy is we're blessing. And that's what the call of God in our life is, that we wouldn't be Joey Brand in the flesh, but we'd be Joey Brand in the spirit and be a blessing. So insert your name. It's the same thing, that we'd be a blessing. I'm glad we got to go to Virginia Beach and bless the people of Hampton Roads. We still have great relationships with some of those people. The woman who said she'd never have children because it was an inconvenience had nine of them. We had lunch with them a couple months ago down in Carlsbad. Just serving the Lord faithfully still. All those people, all those stories. You get one life, and it's meant to be live for Jesus and to be transformed by Jesus as a blessing to others in Jesus' name. And you can go on the great adventure, or you can watch other people do it but you only got one chance. Every step Abram took with his wife Sarai was a step in the unknown. By faith, Abram obeyed and went not knowing where he was going. Hebrews 11.8. By faith, obedience, not knowing. Hudson Taylor, at the end of his life, he said this, the older I get, the less I know. You don't have it all figured out. I don't have it all figured out. Jeremy Foster left us recently to go to Boise, Idaho, he didn't have it all figured out. 
talked to him a couple weeks ago. He's like, you figured it out? He's like, I have no idea what I'm doing. But we have dinner together every night as a family, and we will for the next nine months, so I'm very grateful for that. Otherwise, the software, the engineering, it's, it's moving fast. The game's moving fast. But I do go home at five and have dinner with my family, right? Because we're in it together. So it's him working through us, and we can do all things to Christ because he equips us. Christ who strengthens us. I will bless you. I will do this. I will make you. That's, that's the legacy of the Lord's working in humanity. It's what he's doing in and through us. But that third and final thing we see there in verse 7 that he built an altar to the Lord. And then in verse 8, he pitched his tent. And then again in verse 8, he built an altar and he called on the Lord. He built an altar twice, a place of worship. He was a tent dweller. He's a pilgrim. And he called on the Lord. The most, possibly the most important thing, the most profound thing, significant thing that we see here is that Abram had an eternal perspective. He had that sense and knowledge that he was passing through. Even after God had said this land's for you, he would let his nephew Lot choose the better land. We're going to see that in the next chapter. He was pretty fearless when he rescued Lot. God promised him all of Israel, the size of Southern California, a land the size of Southern California, and he never built a house. He never was a homeowner. The only property he ever owned in the sense of the temporal was to bury his wife, which is a story that brings in the first time we see crying in the Bible. He built altars. Altars are a form of worship in the Old Testament. He was a worshiper. He acknowledged the Lord over his life. The Lord had called him in Ur the Chaldeans. The Lord was with him in Haran, The Lord spoke to him when he got there, and he built altars. He worshiped the Lord, and he lived in a tent. He was passing through with a very soft touch. Just everything that he had, and he had great possessions. I mean, he had great possessions. He had employees. He had hundreds of employees when he went to rescue Lot. He had hundreds of employees that were well-trained militia. They defeated five kings who routed everybody else they, as they came through the land. And with his 200 plus men, they got him. And they brought everyone back. And then when the king of Sodom says, here, keep it all. It's your plunder. He goes, I don't need to take anything from you. Because I don't want you to say you made me a wealthy man. I'm not going to take a sandal strap from you. Everything I have is the Lord's, from the Lord. Man, there is so much we're going to learn from this man and his wife. But... In the latter part of these verses, we see he had the eternal perspective. We're told to set our mind on the things above, not on the things of this earth. Jesus told us to store up our treasures in heaven where thieves and moth do not destroy them. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And in the end, ultimately, we're to be people of an eternal perspective. And again, Hebrews 11, talking about Abraham, says this, that he looked for the city which had foundation who this builder and maker was God. Now, the city of David, it's a thousand years later. That's for David and the nation of Israel. Abraham, their patriarch, their forefather, he looked for the city which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So in Revelation, when you see the heavenly city, that's the city of Abraham. 
the, the heavenly Jerusalem. He was passing through, and he inspired his children to be passing through. Remember, like when we talked about Noah, that when he built the ark, it's for the saving of his household. And with Abram, it's the same way that his faith inspired his children. And we read in chapter 11, it says that by faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country. And by the way, earth's not our home, so it's safe to say we're all pilgrims passing through in Jesus' name. Dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with them of the same promise, for he waited for the city which had foundation, whose builder and maker is God. You see, he dwelt in tents with the son of promise and the grandson of promise, and he passed that legacy on to his kids. Passing through, pilgrims, sojourners. They enjoyed everything the Lord had for them, and they went through trials and tribulations, suffering, blessings, and tragedy. But they were men and women of faith, and their faith is passed on to us. And the lessons of Abraham and Sarah are our lessons because the principles remain the same to be fully yielded to Jesus as Lord. To understand that our calling is what he's working in and through us and to realize our calling is a eternal calling. So again, like Philippians 3 says that we press forward, onward, and upward. And I leave you with one more comment concerning Hudson Taylor. After he lost his wife, it was very difficult when he lost his wife because he just sent the older kids back to England because there was such sickness in China that there was just, it was unlikely the kids were going to make it through the sicknesses that were going on at that time. So they got on a boat far, far away. And he stayed behind. And his wife, Marie, had, they had a son, Samuel. But he was so sick, he didn't make it. He died. She died within two weeks of the birth, and then he died. He lost his wife and a two-week-old son in the same stretch. And Hudson's Taylor's spiritual secret was that no matter where he was, no matter what he was doing, he could trust Jesus with everything and that the Lord would never, ever leave him. He compared it to abiding in a house when you're sleeping. If you are abiding in a house, whether you're conscious that you're in the house or not, when you're sleeping, you're still abiding in the house. That's not a work, that's grace. It's a position, not an earned thing. And his great spiritual secret, if you will, was that he was no less abiding when he was sleeping than when he was awake. And that the, the great key to the fruitful life that he lived in the Lord with all that he went through was that Christ would never leave him or forsake him. And he was always in the house of the Lord, whether he felt like it or not. So it wasn't what he did in the house, but who he trusted who was over the house to abide. That was Hudson Taylor's spiritual secret. One of the most read books in Christendom, by the way, Hudson Taylor's spiritual secret. It's amazing. But he said, how bitter and painful the anguish was this side of eternity, writing to his mom and to the caretaker of his children in England, who was also part of the, the original uh, Lamel Muir group, the 22, who had gone back with the kids. But he said, should not heaven taste the sweetest of all places when we leave this place? How much sweeter can it be to cross this line of time to step into eternity and see my sweet Marie and my children? Grace and Samuel and the others. The key that closes the deal 
to fulfilling the call of God is to have the eternal perspective over our lives and all that we do and all who we are. For that is a perspective like a compass pointing north by which every human experience needs to be measured by, knowing that Christ is on the throne and the God of the universe will always do good to those who trust in him. All in, transformed in the journey, forward, onward, upward. It's a great story. I think most of you are writing yours. He's writing it in your life. We don't want to miss it. And at my age right now, at 58, I just think, whatever the final chapters are, I do not want to miss it. I'm a little nervous about it. I was nervous when I was young. I guess we're always nervous, right? We're always kind of nervous to go for it. If you overthink it, you might never go for it. So the best thing you can do is be open to whatever he's saying and not overthink it and go for it. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brand. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed.